Raising Tech is your guide to understanding the role technology plays in your senior living business strategy and day-to-day operations. Tune in for tech trends, hot topics, and meet the people behind the tech landscape in senior living to gain practical technology knowledge that you can apply in your community today. Welcome to Raising Tech, a podcast about all things technology and senior living. I'm your host, Amber Barden, and today our topic is all things smart home. To facilitate this discussion, we have Keith Stewart from K4 Connect with us. Welcome, Keith. Hi, Amber. Keith, can you tell our listeners about K4 Connect and your role there? Sure. Well, uh, again, my name is Keith Stewart, and I'm the Chief Growth Officer at K4 Connect. Uh, So I'm responsible for sales, marketing, and business development. I've been at K4 Connect for about three years, uh, but formerly I was running worldwide sales for the IBM Watson Internet of Things division. And broadly speaking, my entire career has been focused on technology disrupting different industries. And I think this industry, you know, in the last couple of years in particular, but has really been on a big evolution. And, you know, smart home has been a big part of what's been driving a lot of the change. K4 Connect is a mission-driven health tech company integrating the best in technologies to serve and empower older adults and those living with disabilities. So we're really here providing powerful enterprise and analytical tools to drive efficiencies, better outcomes, new services for operators, providers, and payers. Thanks for that background. I'm really excited to talk about this topic today. I think smart homes are a buzzword. You hear a lot, but maybe people don't always understand what exactly does that mean or what does that involve. So really excited to dive into this topic today. To start off with, can you give us a little bit of insight into the marketplace trends? What does it look like in the marketplace and what is the appetite for smart homes that you see from your perspective? I mean, broadly speaking, whenever we've talked about IoT, you can see some really eye-popping numbers. Um, you know, just the amount of things now that are being connected to the internet. You know, this this proliferation is happening that by 2020, there were more devices connected to the internet than people. And, you know, when you start mapping out that uh, progression line, you'll see by 2050, it's just going to be unbelievable the amount of things that are connected to the internet. You then overlay the older adult demographic. And, you know, there's a lot of supportive tailwinds that are happening there. Um, You know, more and more, the average older adult has been using smartphones for, you know, 10 plus years. They not only have email addresses, but they have high expectations on, you know, using technology. So, you know, those two trends combined are are, are really driving a lot of this change. And then you've got, you know, all sorts of devices that are just, again, proliferating, whether it be things around the environment, lighting and thermostats and, you know, general things like blinds and fans and switches all the way through to, you know, facilities types of things, you know, is your oven, you know, on for too long, maybe it needs to be turned off or energy surge protection or moisture and leak detection. Obviously, we're seeing so much, you know, happening in the wellness categories around, you know, just tracking your your pulse, your heart rate, the number of steps, how well you're sleeping, oxygen levels. And then, you know, really the, the, the next big frontier is, you know, medicine and medicine dispensing and all of those things as it pertains to telehealth. So very exciting. Uh, and it's all happening now. 
And that's a great point. A lot of people use terms like smart homes and telehealth, and they kind of toss those around. And there is there is a difference, but they are related to each other. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit more about the application of smart home technology in the senior living space. Can you walk me through what would it look like for a day in the life of a fully equipped smart home senior in a, in a community? Well, let's uh, just start with waking up. And so, uh, you know, I might wake up, I might uh, look at my tablet or, you know, ask my Alexa for what's for breakfast or just start my day before I even get out of bed. But then when I do get out of bed, you know, I, I potentially, you know, it might still be dark. So, you know, I might have a lit path to go to the bathroom. Uh, I don't want to have a hundred percent lighting on me like a spotlight, but I want enough to where I can see as I'm walking into the bathroom. And that might be turned on through a responsive environment, through motion being detected or what have you. But once I get up, then, you know, I want to know that the coffee is getting started. So that could, again, be triggered by motion or, you know, timed from, you know, some sort of scene that you've set. Um, I might also walk into the kitchen and see that, you know, my, my morning medicine has been dispensed. Uh, but after that, you know, I, I might then think, OK, well, I'm going to go go for a walk. Uh, I can start seeing that my steps are being counted, my heart rate's being monitored, or any other health metrics that I care about, you know, are being tracked. I might then have forgotten to turn off the coffee pot, or I might have forgotten to close the garage door or lock the door. And I'll have peace of mind to know that if I did do any of those things, you know, the devices themselves are smart enough, or there's a routine that's actually going to make sure that those are closed. The other fringe benefit here might be that, you know, when you've left, your thermostat just adjusts to go into energy savings mode. But ultimately, through the day, my activities are starting, you know, or being tracked. Uh, my behavioral data is being understood. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to trigger scenarios based on what I'm doing in real time. But also I'm adding to and working with my trend data. At some point, I'll return home. It could be in the afternoon or already into the evening. There might be any number of different scenes around your lighting, your temperature, or the music that you're creating just for driving a mood. And you know, all the while, my environment is responding to me. And that environment is learning over time based on that behavior. That sounds like a really amazing experience for communities to offer to their residents. One thing I'm, I'm sure that our listeners are thinking about as they're listening to the description of this is what is the reimbursement model for this type of technology? I'm curious to know how, if you could talk about how is this structured in a community and then alternatively, is this available just outside of a traditional community in someone's home? Okay, well, let's take that one step at a time. Um, you know, in terms of reimbursement, um, I'm not really seeing much in the way of that. Uh, what I am seeing, though, is through uh, different programs like the American Rescue Act uh, and the CARES Act, there is funding that's being allocated specifically focusing on infrastructure. So, you know, there are definitely ways that you can get started and, and, and find budget for these things, you know, with some, you know, local or federal assistance with that. But the other thing that we often talk about is just 
if you're an operator and you're trying to differentiate, if you're looking at the sales and marketing side, you know, this is a major differentiation and, you know, really could boost occupancy levels just on the virtue of having this where, you know, potentially a competitor down the street might not have that. The other thing, and, you know, we all know about the staff challenges that, you know, are, we're facing and, you know, that, that growing challenge, you know, the, you, you can think about the staff efficiency gains that you can get through the use of data and, you know, just understanding through, you know, the scenario that I talked about before, you know, if you start to see certain trends that are troubling, it, it, it might drive behavior on how you're providing uh, care. And so, you know, there, there's certainly opportunities for staff efficiency and, you know, really driving focus where, where you need that focus. Another element that you could think about is, you know, through the proactive management of lights and your temperature controls, there's an opportunity for energy savings. Again, these are things that you would think about if you're building a business case and, you know, some sort of return on investment and payback model. And then a big one really is just the, the very concept of risk reduction and cost avoidance. If you take the scenario through leak and or fire detection, you know, if, if you're turning the oven off or you're proactively going in and finding, you know, water leaks through moisture detection, you know, you're, you're very likely preventing very large, expensive, you know, maybe even catastrophic damage. Uh, and then, you know, again, I was telling you about that lit path to go to the bathroom. If motion is what's triggering that, you know, you might have, you know, scenarios where you're doing, you know, situational awareness, much like that uh, staff um, efficiency gain. You know, if, if somebody went into the restroom in the middle of the night and you didn't see motion coming back out, uh, you might be able to uh, rapidly respond and, you know, come in and, you know, potentially find somebody who is in the bathroom a lot sooner than you would have otherwise. And so, you know, there's all sorts of opportunities to drive very compelling business case, business cases, you know, when you're starting to think about that growing list and types of sensors that are available. So, um, you know, very much on the business case side of things uh, is very helpful. When you talk about the monitoring, that actually brings up a question that I frequently get asked by our clients about the whole concept of smart home technology. One of the things that I've heard people say that they see as a potential risk or liability with this type of technology is who is checking that monitoring. And if something is detected through monitoring, like a fall or uh, you know a refrigerator sensor or something like that, does that actually put the community more at risk because they didn't catch it soon enough or the, the monitoring should have told them? And I'm curious, you know, what from your perspective, what is your answer to that? And who is actually doing this monitoring? Well, um, you know, ultimately, we're not actually taking any responsibility away from anybody who would already be caring about that. What we're doing is providing better information for that person to be able to do what they're already supposed to be doing. And so, you know, kind of an adjacent part to everything that you're talking about is this concept of security and privacy. You know, so, you know, I think a lot of people like the idea that, you know, they've got a digital safety net, they just don't want to feel monitored. And so they don't want cameras in the bathroom or anyone watching them. But if it's purely data and it's contextualized by time and things like that, then you're really looking at it as triggering use cases. And so, you know, in the case of 
from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., uh, I'd like to know that there's motion in the room because that way I know that they're up and about. And that report can be sent to somebody who's responsible for tracking morning check-in. I would turn your point around the other way. Uh, a lot of people are using uh, you know, very manual error-prone techniques for doing morning check-in, uh, such as you know, scanning the, the breakfast room just to make sure that they can visually verify that everyone's there. Very prone to um, human error. Uh, you would look at other scenarios where it's things like dialing a phone number in the morning or pressing a button in the hallway, you know, not really a natural behavior that people would think to do every morning. And so oftentimes they forget to do it. And if you're just, you know, really having that extra data to help you drive action, uh, you know, I would, I would argue that it's, it's a lot safer than um, the other techniques that are probably more prone to uh, failure. Now, the other part of that being the security and privacy, of course, you know, this is contextual data based on timing, you know, just light went on, light went off. That's not really, you know, a privacy or a security risk. But when you start building out that model over time and you start to get that behavioral data with the context, you know, you can anonymize that and secure it and just make sure that it's um, not in any way giving any um, HIPAA related information away. Keith, can you tell us what market segments are you seeing the most adoption of this type of technology in? I think primarily when we were talking about the early adopters, uh, we were really seeing kind of the higher end communities that were really embracing this. Uh, oftentimes, it would be the nonprofit providers that you know had a little bit more money, were focused more on differentiation and recruitment. Uh, but you're really seeing a lot of the for profit moving into this space. You know, they do look at OPEX probably more than they do at CAPEX. And, you know, they're they're justifying these as either part of uh, budgeted for new builds or differentiation and recruitment. And, you know, you're really starting to see the trend go more and more to mid-market just purely on the basis of um, the business cases are, are starting to add up. You know, the cost of the sensors are, are getting less. Uh, you know, Wi-Fi is becoming much more uh, prominence and you know just the fact that we've got such a challenge with staffing. You know, you you really need a, that digital safety net and, and that little extra support. And I'm assuming you can implement this just in part of a building or in certain units. It doesn't have to be a whole community implementation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we're we're really seeing people drive this in in a lot of different ways. The amenity element of this, the smart home, is certainly something that you can do on a room-by-room -room basis. It, it might be upgraded during a room turn if it's a retrofit. Uh, it might be an opt-in scenario based on, you know, you offer it um, and as an amenity upgrade and, you know, a, a resident might choose to go ahead and add that on. Um, so from a, that, that side of it, the smart home amenity piece, uh, definitely on a room turn. If you're trying to drive core business practices like automating your morning check-in, you would really want to try to standardize that across an acuity setting or, you know, like a, a hallway or something like that so that you're, you're not trying to mix and match based on who has smart home capabilities versus who doesn't. And, you know, we've even seen scenarios where they've put in the basics where they've got an edge device, like a control box and maybe some motion sensors, 
where they're able to do things like morning check-in and, and trend analysis in the room, but they're not really investing into the rest of smart home by adding smart fans and blinds and thermostats and all the other things that you could potentially go for. But there's really a lot of different possibilities there and you know something that we're very accustomed to having conversations and driving based on need and budget. Yeah, that's good to know because I have a feeling for a community who is just starting down this path, it may feel a little bit daunting or overwhelming with, with so much that's out there and available. So given that, can you tell us where would a community start if they're interested in implementing smart home technology? What should they know? What are the key factors they should consider and how should they go about planning? Well, honestly, just for the point that you just raised, um, there are so many options. And, you know, my my number one advice that I give to anyone is just get started. You know, this is the type of thing that will continue to run away from you if you just, you know, wait. Uh, each year, everything's getting faster. There's more devices that are coming out all the time. And, you know, so just just get started. You know, just just start to try it and, you know, have your own experiences with it. I would also say that you want to work with partners that have experience in the space. So, you know, there are so many different strategies that you can take, and certainly there are some better than others. Uh, I would also say don't try to do everything in the first go. You know, the famous adage that Rome wasn't built in a day really applies here. And, you know, it's, it's about just kind of tiptoeing in, getting some use cases going, understanding it. But when you get started, you need to have a longer term time horizon for what you're thinking about. So I'm starting today. I want to get going, but I want to think about where do I want to be in two years and in five years. And that's not to say that anyone's going to be able to predict what technology will look like in five years. It's just knowing that technology is going to keep evolving. So get started now and think about that five-year plan. You know, the one thing that you know is that you probably are going to need very good internet. You're going to need, you know, enterprise Wi-Fi, and you need to have a strategy that can scale. You need to have a strategy that is extensible, and you know, just know that it's going to grow with you over time. That was one of the points I was going to bring up, as I know from working with K4 on some projects and other systems, that having that Wi-Fi that's really comprehensive is really a key base of anything that you want to do around smart home technology or other uh, artificial intelligence type telehealth um, systems. What else would you say are the key findings that you've had as takeaways from your implementations that make an implementation really successful? Sure. Well, I mean, great point, spot on, can't under, uh, underline that point enough. Very good Wi-Fi is always at the, at the root of all of this. Uh, but you know, when you think about this, this is business transformation. And like anything with business transformation, you certainly need a champion for that program. So somebody in that community needs to really wake up in the morning and feel ownership of that. And you know, they need to be part of that transformation. But equally, you need the residents on side as well. So if you think about the concept of a resident champion, I could go to the residents all day, every day, and just tell them how great this is. And they'll listen to me, but there'll certainly be a healthy measure of skepticism in that. But if their peers are starting to adopt it, if they're the ones talking about it, you start to build a little bit of that keeping up with the Joneses. And you know, there's there's more trust, there's more believability. They they see themselves in their peers, you know, in the hallways and 
you know, maybe go over to their room and see that when they get up, the lights come on or they're adjusting the thermostat with their voice. And, you know, it, it just starts to grow uh, in and of itself. And then the other thing is you need to expect that this is going to continue to grow. And so whatever strategy you have, just think about that continuous improvement element of that. This is so much great information. I am so excited you were here to share this with us today. Is there anything else that our listeners should know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's all within the points that I was just saying, but you know, there's really no way that any of us could understand what the next big thing will be. So, you know, the advice that I would give to anybody is whatever solution you pursue, whatever area that you try to get started on, you know, think about your strategy with ease of integrating and ease of extending that solution. Uh, the other thing that we always say is that the, the internet's not a passing fad. The internet's here to stay. Um, you know, what's happening with the internet, internet is, is just about making that investment and in good Wi-Fi. And then ultimately, it's about just getting started. It's, you know, you know, you need to get started, you know, and where you begin is really up to you because, you know, you're going to be that much further on in a year than you would have otherwise. Thank you so much for your time today, Keith, and for coming on the show. Absolutely. It's my pleasure and um, look forward to uh, being on again at some point. Listeners, thank you for tuning in to this month's Raising Tech episode, and we will see you next month with more fresh technology insights. Thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Raising Tech, where we help senior living communities unlock the power of transformational technology. This podcast is powered by Parasol Alliance.